Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. This is the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about what to do when you have a few minutes left at the end of your lessons. So welcome back, lovely teachers. Carmen is on the show again today, Carmen from our team, and she's written a wonderful article about what to do in those final few minutes of lessons when we have some time to left over. So a lot of the time we're racing to fit things in, but sometimes you end up with just a few minutes left over that you don't want to start on. So you could start on a big task, but then you would be interrupted. So we've got a few ideas to share with you about what to do in those final few minutes. Carmen, I want to start with the counter argument, I guess, to this, <laughs> the devil's avocado, which is why don't we just go over what they need to practice or just like do a little bit more work on the piece they're currently doing? Why would we not want to do that? Hmm. Well, sometimes that's counterproductive, right? If you say, play it again, and it goes awry, then you've ended your lesson on a downer, you know, and I've done that. And I I hate it when that happens. And I feel horrible about it because I don't want to send anybody out the door sad. I want to send them out the door happy. And that is what they're going to remember about the lesson. They're going to remember most likely what happened at the beginning and what happened at the end. And so if what happened at the end is something positive, then they leave with that positive impression and they get in the car with mom or dad and they're happy and mom and dad are happy and everybody's happy. So I I definitely feel like if I have just a few minutes left, I want to make sure it's as positive as possible. Yeah, I agree. It reminds me of, I think it's a Francis Clark quote, and I'm not going to quote it because it's I'll misremember it, but it's something to the effect of a student is motivated to practice when they leave the lesson feeling competent or feeling... Do you, do you know the quote I'm talking about, Carmen? Does that sound I familiar? That okay. <laughs> I may be totally making it up, but it's something to that effect. And I, I really agree with that. Like, we need our students to leave the lesson feeling like they're good at this, like they're a good musician, like they're ready so that they're not going to their practice time feeling like I can't do this. Mm. And what you said about the parent in the car, I think that's a great point because the parent does ask when the kid gets in the car. For the most part, most parents say, oh, how was piano? 
the student is either just going to go, oh, fine or good. But if they do come up with something, it's not going to be the start of the lesson, right? It's not going to be the middle. It's going to be whatever they did last that they're probably going to report. So finishing on a high note, I think, is a great idea. Mm -hmm. So let's get into some of these ideas then. The first one on your list was getting to know you questions. What did you mean by that? Well, I think anything that we can do to really build that connection, that stronger connection with our students is going to make everything that we do better and easier and more valuable. So many people don't necessarily remember what they learned in piano lessons, but they remember their teacher. Yeah. And they remember if they liked that person or they didn't like that person. So, yeah. And, I, you know, I like to get a little deeper. I like to get beyond just what's your favorite color, although that's good, too. You know, you don't yeah. necessarily know your student's favorite color. But just asking them things like that that are what they're interested in. Like, what's your favorite song right now? Who's your favorite artist right now? Or even things like that, that aren't super involved and in digging into their psyche, but mm. it still gives you a window into who they are, what kind of person they are, and how you can then, as their teacher, touch on those things more often. Remember that, you know, or if you know they like sports or whatever, or maybe you're into sports too, and you can talk about, oh, oh did you see that game the other day? And then, you know, then you're having a little conversation. And and so those things can fill the time, but be really good and positive and give you a window into not just who they are, but how you can best reach them. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I mean, so often we, we start the lesson with some like something to build rapport, you know, some kind of a conversation. But if we have those couple of minutes left at the end, normally at the start, we don't want to spend too long on that. So we end up interrupting them or making it as brief as we can while being polite <laughs> because Correct. we're impatient to get to the things we need to do as much as we do want to hear about their story about how Santa fell off the roof or something. You know, <laughs> we do also need to get to the lesson. So we're balancing that. But when we're left with that time at the end of the lesson, that's great because we know that's all we have to use it for, like that it's not worth starting something else. So I think it's a great idea. I would add to maybe some of your suggestions there about like a favorite song or something. Maybe change that to what's one of your favorite songs right now or what's a song you really like right now. Just because sometimes students can feel pressure with the question of favorite. Something mm. I've been learning recently about different personalities and things. For some people, they feel like what they're expected to come up with is their favorite thing of all time when they hear that yeah. question. And what we really mean is something you like, right? Right. <laughs> like yeah. we're not, it's not the pressure. We're not going to hold them to it forever and always. <laughs> so just something I've been trying to do myself when I ask these kind of questions. Another thing for a lot of students would be, oh, what's a great YouTube video you watched this week? Or mm -hmm. what's, you know, if you know they're into Minecraft or something. Dad, one more thing to what you said. I don't know anything about sports. So I know there'll be teachers out there who are saying, yeah, but if their thing is football, whichever mm -hmm. form of football is popular in your country, if that's their thing, I have no idea what to ask them. But it's fine to admit that you don't know anything about it. Like, you can ask a question that's more open-ended just to show that you're curious about the thing they care about, even if you're not going to sit and watch a football game. 
for example, or even if you have never seen Minecraft in action, mm -hmm. you can still ask about Minecraft or whatever their favorite thing is. So I think that's a great idea and a great way to use those few minutes. Mm -hmm. What about quick quizzes then, Carmen? How can we do this? Okay, well, so uh, several years ago, I made up some little cards that I call quick quiz cards. And they just have really, really easy, basic questions so that pretty much all of my students can answer them. And so in the past, I've done little incentives like way to go, little tickets, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I put them in a bucket and then I drew one out at the end of the month and all of that. And so any so some in years past, I've used them. I've given them a way to go ticket for every answer they got right. So they may end up with, you know, 10 in the bucket because they got 10 answers right and they're so easy but those are fun because then you're doing a really fun way of assessing you know it's a little quick assessment oh if they don't know what you know the name of a quarter note is oh we might be to work on you know actually naming the note not just calling it ta or do or whatever system you use but that's an actual quarter note because you know you need to be able to speak musician and yeah. so I like to assess those things every once in a while. Yeah absolutely and a great opportunity to do that and just make sure we're covering all our bases and then yeah we plan mm -hmm. to do a game or an activity or something that then reinforces that to make sure we help them with whatever issue came up but a lot of the time it will just be that they get all the answers right and then they go out the door feeling great about themselves right? Right. <laughs> so that's great. Okay, what about improvisation then? I know you'll know I'm on, on your side for this one, but for the listeners, why should we consider spending those last few minutes doing some improv? Well, you know, I think actually I make improvisation a beginning activity pretty often. But I mean, if you're left with a few minutes, why not? And if you've already done it, why not do it again in another way? I like to do a little black key tag, which I don't know where I learned that. That one's always quick and easy where, you know, the black keys, as we know, are the pentatonic scale. So they always sound nice. And I play, you know, improvise a little bit. And then I say tag and they improvise a little bit. And they say tag and it goes back to me. Or if we're in a group, we tag specific people. But improvisation is always easy. And then I do, everybody loves the big box improv tracks from the, the BMT library. I, I usually just use the major ones because everybody knows major and it's just right there handy in the backup music is so fun they really enjoy playing around with that and so when you have those things right on hand that are quick and easy you know hey let's get creative and they they love that i mean i have i don't think i have any students right now that don't enjoy some level of improvisation yeah, me too, actually. And I think what I will have had in the past is beginners, like beginners to us, I should say. So new yeah. students to us who don't enjoy improv. But if I persevere, they always learn to love it. It's usually just nervousness or like right, not being super comfortable with there not being one right answer. But once mm. they get over that little hump, yeah, all, all our long-term students always, always appreciate an extra chance to improvise. And it finishes the lesson on a great note. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the next suggestion was practice strategies. How can we teach practice strategies in only a few minutes? Well, 
certainly you can do any of the ones from the practice plays. So again, from the BMT library, the practice plays, crossing the river or doing careful crab walk, whatever it might be. Those, of course, are a little more risky because you might get into that. They might, it might not go well. And so I would say only do those if you're really sure that you're going to get a good result out of it. Some of those five minutes from the take five Mm. from the BFC library, those are good too. A lot of those are easy to do that way. Or if you just have any of your own, like I have one I like to call back up the truck where we start at the last line, we play the last line. We go up a line, we play the next two lines. We do it like that. So it's similar to like, what's that one? Measure migration. Is that the one that goes backwards measure by measure? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but similar concept. And so just anything like that, that you can, I think helping kids to understand too, that they can get a lot accomplished in a very short amount of time is valuable. Really valuable. And I think especially valuable as they head into teen years or when they're in their teen years because often you know the transition up to middle school or up to high school can come with oh I suddenly don't have time to practice and they kind of just throw up their hands like I can't do this you they need to learn new ways to fit it in so that's where something like take five or the practice plays and I would say if you are worried that like if I start on this say it you know they need to do it three times in a row correctly or whatever the practice structure is what if they can't do it before the lesson is over and then we finish on this like big failure kind of moment? How about you do it with a piece they already know really well? And then oh, you right. teach them the practice strategy and they can mm-hmm. go home and try it, you know. So then you don't have, especially just especially if you have a student who's really reactive to when they don't get things right, that might be a way to go about it that you can still teach them the strategy, but in a kind of safe environment for those last few minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay, so how about movement then? What if we want to get up and move about? We just think they've been sitting for the whole lesson or for too long of the lesson at this stage. How could we spend the last few minutes moving around? So many options. I, I, love, to, I love to get up and move. It's just good. You know, speaking of the BMT library, there's Rhythm March. Well, is that at the library or is that more like in your book, the Rhythm book? You know which one marching orders? Marching orders. So you hold up the sign with the quarter notes and yeah, then marching orders. Yeah, that's that in rhythm in five. Just for people listening, so that's in rhythm in five, which is a book that you can buy if you're not a member. But it's also in the library. There's a course. Yeah. Neat. Oh, okay. And so I love to do that one. That one is a great little workout for me and children's. And so then you can do simple stuff. You can do the silliness siestas. You can do some yoga, you know, do some yoga moves or just sometimes I'll just be like, let's do five jumping jacks. Now let's do five squats. Now you tell me something you want to do. And we do not just, I know, whatever, just to get some of the wiggles out and get a little fresh air in my lungs you know I just enjoy that yeah absolutely and we can put on some music perhaps in the background like a piece that they're going to learn or just a piece Mm. we love or their favorite song if they've just told you it or whatever and even though even if it is just general movement it's not even with music 
it's kind of a it can be a bonding moment or a moment to create rapport with them right that you do these little and that you're going to follow them if they say the next activity is to jump as high as you can in the air that like you'll play along with them you know and that's important for developing the relationship I usually do like qualify those whenever I say you know you pick one I will say something like and make sure you remember that I'm much older than you you know I (laughs) can't yeah yeah Fantastic. Okay, so what about finishing with something in the rhythm department? What could we do in just a few minutes then? Oh, again, just so many things. You can just do echoes, clapbacks. If you have on hand some little instruments, like I have, I have sticks and bongos and tambourine and stuff like that. They love it if you're just like, okay, pick an instrument. Let's play, you know, and they, and again, you can just do echoes. And on those, if they echo me, then again, I will give them an opportunity. Now you make one up and I'll copy you. And I always say to don't make it too long or I won't remember, which is my way of saying try to make it for me. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I about like the length, if I don't want to be as specific, is to just say that they have to be able to repeat it. That's kind of our rule. If I need you to repeat it, you have to be able to do that. So it can't just be like random clapping for ages because that's the joke some of them will try and do, right? Absolutely. That is that is what they want to do. Has to be memorable. Okay, fantastic. We've got two more suggestions to go. So how about ending with active listening? Mm, oh, yes. Active listening. So, you know, listening just in and of itself is great. But having, you know, active meaning it has a purpose and I haven't tried it yet, but it's on my computer ready to go. It's just inquisitive ears, which is also in the BMT library. And just that, you know, very focused listening when what are the dynamics or and then what is the mood or things like that. And that's a good opportunity to use whatever um, piece you might be getting them ready for listening ahead of time and so active listening is just listening with a purpose you know listening with that in mind I want you to tell me when it changes you know when does the music change it feels like the mood changes so like kind of prepping form in that aspect but yeah definitely listening and I mean you could use any music really I mean like even I think it's nice to, where form is concerned, helping them to hear that the music that they listen to generally has kind of an A-B format, whether they, you know, A-B with a C for the bridge, you know, and they have never made that connection. So helping them make that connection could be really good too. Absolutely. And I think you can combine this with the movement suggestion as well, if you want to get them up and moving about, like, you know, you wiggle your arms for the the part that sounds calm and then when it sounds a bit different maybe we run on the spot or you know you can make it up based on the piece that you're doing or a simple suggestion for those using piano safari many of us will have taught i love coffee so let's say a student has that coming up soon like they're a beginner and they're going to be learning i love coffee I like to get them to do actions only for the ending bit so that they pick up on the repeating part and where it comes in. So the ending, yeah, the ending of each section for those familiar with it. And we'd literally just like touch our toes and kind of go up 
from there, like kind of tap the rhythm out going up so that we finish with our arms in the air. You can just make it up. But yeah, actively listening out for some elements. So anytime we're doing listening, trying to get them to give them a specific task rather than just putting it on and saying, listen to this, because they might not listen. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Daydreaming is okay. It's just not necessarily what you want at that moment. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we've saved the best for last in a way. (laughs) Your last suggestion was cleaning and organization, which I love this as a suggestion for what to do in the last few minutes. How is this something our students can do, Carmen? Oh, well, you know, I am not a germaphobe and um, I like things tidy. My house is quite tidy, but I'm not a germy person. I mean, I'm kind of like, how can you work with children and be a germaphobe? But if you are, hey, that's okay. But I, but during COVID, of course, I had to really think about that because everybody needed to be safe. And so I did start to incorporate cleaning the keys and they love that because, you know, I spray a rag with my little, you know, special cleaner and they just run it all over the keys, glissandoing and all of that. And they think that is the best fun. And, you know, and I've had kids tell me that's their favorite part of the lesson which concerns a lot about me but (laughs) they don't really mean it but yeah yes right then the other thing you know besides cleaning is yeah they kind of go through their binders because I don't know about you but I have hoarders and I have students that have music in their binders you know that's like you know pre-reading music and they're Mm -hmm you know, early intermediates. And I'm like, come on, people. You are not going to play Jingle Bells away from the staff ever again. (laughs) Just like, let's put that in the recycling bin or let me reuse it and give it to some other student who actually isn't ready for the staff. So yeah, yeah, stuff stuff like that. Because yes, some of them will keep every single solitary thing you've ever assigned to them. You know, I had one a long time ago who was just breaking his binder. And I was like, dude, it's time to let go. Yeah. I mean, so I provide the binders for my students. So Mm. to me, it's funny for you to say some of them because none of my students ever clear anything out of their binders. I always do that (laughs) because I'm so conscious that they're going to break. Like we buy the best ones that are available. They're the strongest ones. (laughs) They're supposed to be very durable, but they still do break. Under the weight of all that music. So, yeah, that's something I periodically do as well is just like take their binder out of their bag while they're playing something and and put a load of stuff in the recycling and they don't even notice. I mean, (laughs) but I love the idea. They're not saving it on purpose. They just think that like they're not supposed to do that, that like I would be upset. That's the only reason it's still there. It's not that they have tried to keep it. I keep all the stuff that could have sentimental value like if their compositions are in there and stuff i never throw those away but yeah just like old assignment sheets from when we used to use paper assignments or things like that i'm always purging them out so i think it's great to get your student involved in that if you're not doing it sneakily in the background and i love the idea of getting them involved cleaning the keys as well or you know helping you tidy up it's one thing i've noticed with new teachers who work with me here especially for like our preschool group class or like the buddy lessons we do 
they don't think I have to make sure that they know that they can ask the kids to help them tidy up like they'll end up spending time at the end I'm like no they'll actually be happy to help you like if you I have games you. all over the floor just say okay time to help me tidy up they'll be delighted to help oh yeah I think a lot of yeah you don't realize that because once you're an adult you think tidying is so annoying or whatever but kids actually like it not catchphrase but something my mom has said quite often is Kids love helping with stuff until they're actually able to help with stuff. So when they're still, like, not great at it, they love cleaning. <laughs> but once they're teenagers and can functionally clean things, they don't want to do it anymore. That is so funny. But even then, I do think that kids like to feel helpful. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. You know, if, you, if you couch it that way, I could really use some help. Mm. I do think that even your teenagers will do it. If they, oh, they feel yes. like they're helping yeah. you out, that's usually okay. But if yeah. they do it to clean up and you're really old, you know, you might get some attitude. Yeah, but w yeah, exactly. When you say, can you help me? They're always happy to do it. I mean, whatever. It, yeah. So I think these were some fantastic suggestions for how to use those final few minutes. Thank you so much for sharing us them with us, Carmen. I'll just put in my usual little disclaimer to everybody listening that you can just try one of these. Remember to just do one yeah. thing. So don't take this list of eight things and think, I have to try all of these this week <laughs> in one lesson, even though that would be impossible. Just one thing at a time. Pick one that sounded interesting to you. And the next time you have a few minutes left over try it out see how it goes and let us know how it goes come find us over on instagram we're at colorful keys vibrant music teaching members get five new games or resources at least every single month that keep them inspired and wanting to become a better teacher each and every day. If you want to join the best community of teachers online, you can go to vmt.ninja and sign up today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it. And I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July, and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.